this November, we uh, traditionally look at themes of thanksgiving and seeing how God has worked uh, in our lives and in, in through history as well. And uh, the book of Psalms has many passages that regarding uh, kind of a focus of thanksgiving. And so today we're going to be looking at something in particular, how to, what to be thankful for, and that is the works of God, the works of God. And my challenge is this, that throughout this day, throughout the service, that we will remember the works of God uh, throughout history, throughout Israel's history, but also in our own lives as well, and that we will not uh, neglect to give thanks to the Lord for what he has done. Once you find your place there, Psalm 78, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his work and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he have commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. When I was looking at this passage, I heard this several times. Um, it reminded me when I was in Bible college just a few years ago. Anyways, uh, during the, the course of the week, Mondays were a very special day on campus. It's a time when the student body gathered together uh, for chapel, and we would do that. Chapel would be every day, but Mondays was a special day for chapel. We begin after a few songs and prayer. There was always time to share what we call works of God testimonies. Uh, students and faculty even were given opportunities to simply give testimony to praise God uh, for his work in their lives. Uh, and the testimonies varied. Could have been a blessing from the extension ministry that they did over the weekend. Maybe a soul that was saved. Maybe an opportunity to serve, different things like that. Uh, many cases, they would. Uh, there was a report of uh, yes, I went to my mailbox in, in the mailroom on campus and found out that my school bill was paid for the semester. What a blessing! That that happened on several occasions from anonymous donors. Other, it could be just another regular answer prayer. But nonetheless, no matter what the testimony was, we took time to give thanks to the Lord. Here at Victory Baptist, we take time on Sunday evenings and on Wednesdays too, but especially on Sunday evenings, we take time to do that. We have works of God testimonies on Sunday evenings, and we always take time, whether or not people take advantage of that or not, but I pray you have a testimony of the Lord's work in your own life. Have you seen God work in your own life? Have you noticed his fingerprints in your life? I pray you have. I pray that through Jesus Christ, and our salvation that we have through him. If you're here as a child of God today, you're born again. That is a great work of God in your life. And it's a thing that we should say, thank you, Lord, every day for that. It's important, I believe, for a believer to take note regularly of the work of God in their own lives. Yes, that's salvation and, and even beyond that. To forget God's work, I believe, gives way to disobedience, which will lead to failure. This morning, I challenge you with this question. Can you recall, can you remember the works of God in your own life? That's the, the, kind of the premise today. So let's start by reading a few verses again, just to kind of get the, the scope of what's happening here in this psalm. 
a precious psalm, Psalm 78. It's the maskil of Asaph. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings, which we have heard and have known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our, their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. So Asaph, the writer of the song, you hear what he's doing in verse one, give ear, O my people, or literally to listen, listen up, my people, listen to my law, give ear to my law. He was calling Israel's attention because why? He was telling them now a parable, verse two, he says, talking about a parable or utter dark sayings. And he was telling them a parable that only the thoughtful, uh, only those who were discerning would be able to receive. Now, it's interesting. There's a lot of things that we read in the Bible, and a lot of times we read it and just kind of we pass over it, and we kind of lose sight of it. But I believe for the child of God who takes his word seriously that there is a truth there at every corner, at every verse. As we think about that, Jesus himself taught in parables. Uh, in Matthew chapter 13, he mentions that, that the parables were those who would perceive it, and the, the religious leaders that were around him, it just went over their heads. The parable of the sower, for example. Uh, just for one example there. But nonetheless, Jesus taught in parables and understanding this, that the message was not received by everyone. But for those who paid attention, who were spiritually discerned, and I would say this, those that remember the words of God and those that remember the works of God would pick this up and pick up the importance of what God is doing. And I think that's the message for us today. Just in a few days from now, really, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving in our, with our, in our homes, with families, with friends, loved ones. And we should take time to give thanks to the Lord for he is good and for his mercy endureth forever. We should take time to do that. But I want to ask you this question before you get to the dinner table on that Thanksgiving day and before you take, watch the football game and fall asleep halfway through it. You understand this, we should take time to really think through what God has done in our own lives and give him thanks for that. And don't just say, well, we thank God for the turkey. Well, yes, amen, okay? But really, I want you to think about what has God done in your life, and I want you to take note of that. I want you to write it down. Tell yourself what God has done. Tell your friends, your family, what God has done in your own life. I want to kind of just pause for that. Last week, we talked about really how we, we grow as we witness. We talked about the importance of witnessing and sharing God's truth with others. And one thing I challenged you folks last week is to have someone in mind that you know that maybe you've been praying for for a while who was not saved, someone who was not truly born again. Have you done that this week? Have you prayed for that individual? Lord, please save this soul. Deliver them from sin. I pray you have done that. And you're probably wondering too, how do you begin witnessing for some, maybe this is definitely out of your comfort zone. I'll be honest with you, for most Christians, it is out of their comfort zone. But here's a, a great way to begin witnessing to someone. Share the work of God in your own life, how God worked in your life and how he saved your soul. That is a great way to share God's truth and the gospel to others. The fact that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day, triumphant over sin and over death. And through him, we have hope. Through him, we have forgiveness. For him, we have life everlasting and life abundantly. That is a testimony that you should have. That is the work of God in your life that you can share with others and you can do it this Thanksgiving season. What a blessing this is.
So this is a parable. This is a, a truth that is important as we understand. And so as we see that's verses one and two. And then it says here in verse three, this is a story of utter dark sayings that we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. I think it's interesting in, and uh, for many generations and for many cultures, the idea of storytelling is so important. And for the Jewish people as well, the idea of telling stories, the idea of telling truths from one generation to another. I'm sure there's probably folks that are here that you remember maybe what your parents or grandparents or even great-grandparents have shared with you, maybe about a family story, a family history, things like that, that oh, say, oh man, that just sounds maybe a work experience or something that they had. And that's something you can pass down to your children, for example. But the Bible also talks that every generation should be taught the word of God and the works of God as well. You see that many people throughout the centuries, they received God's word, not by reading it, but by hearing it. It's interesting. You know, the printing press has only been around what, a little over 500 years, okay? Think about that. Before that, yes, things were written, but most people went to the church. They didn't carry a Bible with them. That tradition really didn't get started like what we have today for probably the past 200 years or so. So when you think about throughout the course of history, most people have received the word of God and heard about the works of God through the ear gate, through what they have heard. How important it is for us to listen, to pay attention to what God has done and what he has said. So yes, take the time to listen and take now the time. We have the privilege to read it as well. Take the time to do that. Okay, so what should we do? It says here, these things we have heard and we've known and our fathers have told us. In verse four, this kind of lays out the groundwork for us. And this is a really a call to remember the works of God, a call to remember the works of God. Look with me in verse four. We will hide, uh, we will not hide from them, their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. There are in this, what are we sharing with the next generation? And really to every generation. We are sharing really, there are three things here about God that we must pass on to the next generation. And I pray that you are doing this, whether you have children or grandchildren or other young people in your life that you can be a blessing to. I think there's a good role um, type of, uh, that you should be. Everyone should have a, uh, a Paul in their life, like a mentor, someone's above them. You should have a Timothy in your life, a project, uh, someone who is there to kind of work with you, beside you, okay? And then you need to have a Timothy in your life, a disciple that you are investing your life, investing God's truth into them. You should really have those three type of people in your life, a Paul, a partner, and a project. That's the type of people you should have in your own life. So what are you supposed to share? as you talk with these, these groups together. There are three things. The first of all is the praises of God. In other words, we should tell every generation, tell our children, our grandchildren, that God is worthy in our, of our adoration and of our gratitude. That's what it says here. We should show the generation to come the praises of the Lord. In other words, we should praise God, adore him, worship him, glorify him. You know, one great way to do that is by coming to church. We come to church, what? Not just to have a social gathering, not just drinking the coffee and the amazing uh, cinnamon cake, cinnamon roll cake that was downstairs. Enough of that. We come, why? Why do we come to church? We come to church to worship God. 
Yes, you can do that individually, but there's nothing that beats the family of God coming together and praising him. As we sang just a moment ago, thou art worthy. We don't say that to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, folks. We say that to God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That is where our focus must be. And God, folks, we are not worthy to worship God, but he is worthy of our worship. What a blessing this is. God is worthy of our adoration and of our gratitude by saying, thank you, Lord. We take time to thank the Lord. Take time to do that. This is the first thing we should pass on to the next generation, the praises of God, adore him and thank him. The next thing we see is that we also mention to the next generation his strength, his strength. We talk about God who is all powerful and his greatness is above and beyond all. It's what we know about God, that God is omniscient. He is all knowing. God is omnipresent, which means God is everywhere. And that God is omnipotent, meaning God is all powerful. Praise God for his strength. We have a strong and powerful God who is above all. For that, we should be thankful to him. That's what you should sit and tell your children and grandchildren that our God is powerful and that our God is strong, that there's nothing beyond his control. You think of the wars going on in the world right now, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in Israel, that is God on the sidelines? Is he helpless? No, God has a purpose and plan for all of that. Trust in him, believe in him. God is worthy of praise and he is all powerful. Watch him, watch him. And then we also see the third thing we tell the next generation is there in verse four. And it says, wonderful works that he hath done. This is talking about God's power and greatness on display. God's power and greatness are active to assist his people, to help his people. Has God delivered you? Has God helped you? Man, I don't know the last time that happened, pastor. Folks, you don't know God then. Folks, how important it is for us to understand and see the works of God in our own life. Yes, that he has saved your soul. But has God helped you in every step of the way, even the smallest things of life? Absolutely. There's some folks that are here today, and I know you have gone through trials in the past, in, in the years. They have to come make difficult decisions for you and your, for your family, whether it be for your health or for your work, for your children, whatever maybe You've had to make some tough decisions. Was well, not God there with you through that? I tell you what, there's times where we figure out when we're not trusting God is when things get really hard. And guess what? We feel helpless and we don't have that grace. Guess what? God is there and his power is on display. Trust in him. Shouldn't we trust God? Therefore, we should recall to remember the works of God. See, we need to pass this on, these things on to every generation. And I encourage you to speak often about God's wonderful works in and through his people. I encourage you as well, look at God, the hand of God, as he moves in and throughout history. Has God been at work through history of mankind? Absolutely he has. I like what G. Campbell Morgan said. He quoted this, history should ever be the record of the works of God. I like that. History should ever be the record of the works of God. History thus written and thus taught will so affect hope and memory in youth as to constrain it to the obedience of God revealed. And this is the way of life for man and for nation. Folks, we need to think about this. History is really his story, as A.T. Pearson said. History is really his story. It's God's working in the affairs of mankind for his glory. 
Has God ever worked in the history of mankind? Well, I, I don't know. How about that? I think you go back not really that long ago when you think about it. There's uh, stories of the Great Awakenings that happened before uh, the United States became a country, for example. The ministry of Jonathan Edwards and, and uh, George Whitfield and many others. Uh, and many people came to know the Lord through that. Also, the Second Great Awakening, God used different preachers as well back in the 1830s to the 1850s that God did a great work, especially in New England, uh, amongst prayer meetings and things like that. And people got saved. It was estimated through, through the, about a 10-year span, about one million people got saved, came to know the Lord through those years, through that Second Great Awakening. You know what that prepared? God in his grace did that. Why? Because what happened about 10 years later was one of the most horrific things that our nation has gone through, and that was the U.S. Civil War, where 600,000 North and South had perished during that time, and maybe other people were affected. God was gracious to our nation before that tragedy. I was talking with a dear friend of mine. Actually, if you didn't listen to that podcast that I shared of uh, Two Jews and a Gentile, I'm doing with uh, Trevor Rubenstein, Tom Berkowitz, that uh, my friend Trevor, Trevor's been here, you remember him sharing his testimony. He, he comments, it's interesting that God does, a, it seems like his notice was that God does a great work in lives and then, then it almost like precedes the tragedy. There was a huge tragedy that happened just over a month ago in Israel. 1,400 people perished, not just Jewish Israelis, but others as well, okay? We have 200, almost 240 people that are still in, uh, kidnapped by Hamas, Many other things, a lot of atrocities even going on right now in, in Gaza. A lot of people are losing their lives. What a tragedy that is. When you think about the loss of life, even just generally speaking, these are souls created in the image of God. And our hearts should break for what is going on in this world right now. But as we see that, Trevor made an interesting comment. He says that in, in their ministry, what they observed, and I can kind of vouch for it as well, that God has been doing an amazing work amongst the Jewish people. Over the past couple of years, actually, during the time of COVID and all that, there was a lot of people who were, who were in their homes wondering what to do. Guess what they were doing? They were coming across videos of testimonies of Jewish people that came to know Jesus as their Savior. And that spread. And people, Jewish people started becoming, not not at least, not in the, like the thousands, but God was doing a work right now. And he's doing that in Israel. He was doing that even in Gaza. There was actually several hundred people, Gazans, Palestinians, that were also hearing testimonies of, of Arabs that had come to know Jesus as the Messiah. And there's a small pocket of believers that are in Gaza right now that are being affected by the war. And that just happened in the past couple of years, folks. God was doing something in this, in this time period. So in other words, we should take notice of the works of God around us. Again, history is his story. Charles Spurgeon said this, those who forget God's works are sure to fail in their own. Those who forget God's work are sure to fail on their own. How much we need to know the works of God. Pay attention to history. Pay attention to what God has done. So not only are we already called uh, call to remember the works of God, now we have a record to declare the works of God. Look at me starting in verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he had commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their generation. What are they to declare? That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So a couple of notes about this. It says, for he established a testimony in Jacob, verse five. 
you know, the nation of Israel, why do the nation of Israel exist? Why does it exist? Okay. God chose them not because they were the greatest of the nations. He chose them simply because he loved them. That was his choice. Okay. And Israel has existed for the very purpose, though, of maintaining God's truth amid surrounding idolatry. When Israel comes from, from the wilderness into the land of Canaan, think of Jericho and other uh, conquests that Joshua did, for example. What was going on there? God was establishing his people in the midst of a very idolatrous area. Those that would worship Baal, for example, Ashtoreth and other idols of Ramolach, those that would sacrifice their own children to pagan gods, heathen gods. God was putting his people to be a light for the world in that region. Also, God has blessed the Jewish people for another thing. For theirs were the oracles, the oracles of God. They were the conservators and the guardians of the truth. That was their role. That was their job. Were they perfect at it? No. We know that. We know by history of that. But that was God's plan and intention. You see here, what they were supposed to do, though, is that they were supposed to share the testimony of the true God, and it was to be carefully passed from generation to generation. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. These commandments which I teach thee shall be in thine heart. And what are you supposed to do with those commandments? Teach them diligently to thy children, that thou shalt talk to them when the walk is by the way, when the lies down, when the rise is up. There shall be a sign upon thine hand, there shall be his frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of the house and upon thy gates. That's the Shema, Hear, O Israel. So the scriptures were to be taught over and over. The Bible says here to teach the word of God diligently, teach the commandments diligently. The idea of the word diligently in Hebrew has the idea of kind of sharpening a blade on a stone. When you do that, you know, you go through it a couple times. Those who have knives and all that, you try to sharpen your knives. It's, you don't just do it once or twice and then you're good, right? You keep doing it for a while, repetitiously over and over till you get the exact product that you want. And that's exactly how we should teach the word of God diligently to our kids, to our children. Let me ask you this question. When you teach, uh, uh, when you tell your kids, put them in bed at night, maybe tell them a bedtime story, okay? Scarlett, you're probably too old for bedtime stories, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> but nonetheless, what, are, what do our kids like to hear? Maybe the little engine, my favorite growing up was the little engine that could. That was like my favorite, for example. I remember stories that my mom and my grandparents would tell me. And I remember those stories that I would ask them, you know, and your kids, do they like to hear that story just one time? Oh, I'm bored of that. Let's move on. No, you hear that story over and over and over. We talk about Bible stories. What's the stories that we like to hear about? Jo David, uh, Noah and the Flood, uh, David and Goliath, Daniel Lion's Den. And guess what? The kids like to hear those stories over and over and over. And the key point is this, that we teach the word of God like that as well, repetitiously. Over and over and over, just like we're sharpening that blade over and over and over till we get the desired effect. That affects us when we in every part of our life, whether we sit down and rise up, lie down to, to get up again. God has a very important uh, plan for us. This is why it's important for us to teach the scriptures to our children. I like what one commentator says this scripture has no room for parental neutrality. In other words, parents, you can't be neutral about the word of God. It's given to you to teach to your next generation, to the next generation. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. Listen carefully. This is what Spurgeon said. The more of parental teaching, the better. Ministers or pastors and Sunday school teachers were never meant to be substitutes for mother's tears and father's prayers. 
I'm glad for the role of being a pastor. I love being a pastor. Love you folks. Pray for you often. Pray for each one of you coming in this morning. Okay? With that in mind, it's important for us that we, that Christianity does not stop here at Sunday morning service. That we should also tomorrow or the evenings, how are you doing with your family? Take time to pray together. Take time to read God's word together. Take time to remember the works of God together. How important. In other words, by sharing the testimony of God's work in your life, it will glorify God. What's the purpose of that? Verse 6 says this. The purpose is that they might know, uh, the, or that they might set their hope in God. That's in verse 7, sorry. It says here, you know, faith comes by hearing. Those who know the name of the Lord will set their hope in him. And it says here again that, and not forget the works of God. We're in verse 7 here. Not forget the works of God. You see here, grace cures bad memories. I like that. Grace cures bad memories. You might have different trials and things in your life, but guess what? Grace, God's grace, intervenes, doesn't it? Those who soon forget the merciful works of God have need of teaching. They require to learn the divine art of holy memory. This is from Spurgeon. So there's, I like what he calls it. This is the divine art of holy memory. How is your memory? Oh, don't ask me that, Pastor. It depends on the day, right? (laughs) I forget what I did yesterday, right? But how important is it for us to have a holy memory of what God has done in our lives? If you don't know where to start, look in the Bible. Look what God has done through the Bible. I mentioned earlier, what about David and Goliath? Wasn't that a work of God? Daniel and the lion's den, wasn't that a work of God? Absolutely. Jesus walks on water. Yeah, that's a work of God, okay? These are things that we should tell ourselves often. I challenge this. I want you to take notes of the works of God in your own life. Some of you might have a prayer list, a prayer journal, and maybe you write, I, I think it's amazing. I actually came across this yesterday. Uh, my Bible I was had at home and it just kind of fell on the floor. Just I bumped it by accident. And when I did that, there was like a, a, a prayer bulletin I had from Tennessee when we were down there from a couple of years ago. And I picked that up and said, man, I haven't seen this in ages. And I looked at it, looked through those names. Some of those folks had gone be with the Lord, but we had some different prayer requests in that. And I was just amazed. Like, wow, God answered the prayer right there. God sustained them in that time. And I was like, wow, isn't that amazing? So take a prayer journal, write down that, and come back to it like a year later and figure out what God has done. Isn't our God good? Absolutely. So de- develop the divine art of holy memory. I like what Spurgeon says on that. We're also, it says here, but to keep his commandments. Those who forget God's works are sure to fail. He who does not keep God's love and memory is not likely to remember his law. In other words, if you don't remember what God has done, you're probably not going to remember what God has said. If you don't can't remember what God has worked in your life, why bother in spending time in his word? Folks, they go together. His word and his works. We should remember them in tandem for that. As we think about that, is how important it is for us to listen to the works of God and, and others. One thing I always love hearing is hearing testimonies of folks and uh, getting to know folks like, well, how, tell me your, your, your testimony of salvation. How did God save you? How did God work in your life? How did God work in his church? I remember when, when I first came here, I sat with uh, Pastor Maupin several times and he told me stories of how God is blessed and work in this church in very difficult times. God worked and sustained this church through the years. That's a work of God. We call it Victory Baptist Church. You could also say it's Miracle Baptist Church. What God has done, praise him for that, for that. You know, as you think about the works of God, take time to listen to one to another. One thing I regret 
and maybe you've thought about this too, I regret not asking my grandparents more questions about family, about where they lived, you know, experiences, things like that. They've all passed away now. My On my dad's side, I never knew my grandparents. My my grandfather there, he passed away long before I was even born. Uh, my, grand, my grandmother really didn't know her at all. She passed away when I was like three, so I don't really remember her. Uh, but my on my mom's side, I used to spend a lot of time with my grandma, asking her questions and things on the farm and where she grew up in South Dakota and then up in northern Minnesota. Just uh, amazing. I, I'd love to hear those stories. But you know what? I, I wish I could have asked more. I could have asked more. When we're around the saints of God, when we're around each other, especially like on Wednesday nights, we have that fellowship time together. Ask questions. What has God done in your life? I want to hear those stories. I want to see how God has answered prayer in your own life. And we take notice of that. We need to ask more questions about that. We also should keep his commandments and be not like the fathers. Look at me in verse eight. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast in God. Losing your trust in God and forgetting his works will lead to disobedience. If the younger generation is well instructed, they will be more likely to be obedient and avoiding many errors of their father. This is kind of a principle. Think of it like Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way she go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, that's not a promise. Like, you know, if you teach them the word of God, they're going to be set for life. They're going to be perfect. You know, as well as I do, that doesn't always happen. But this is a principle. If we maintain, if we try to do this on a regular basis with our family, guess what? It will do that. I, I'll give you my own brother's testimony. If you were here, he'd say the same thing. My brother, Dan. Uh, he was a 4.0 student from high school, graduated near the top of his class and a smart guy. But you know what? He gave his life over to a lot of things and doing drugs and all that. He was addicted to meth for 14 years. And, you know, through all that, through all the process, you know, he grew up through in church, Christian school, going to Bible camp, doing everything you're supposed to do. He knew it. He knew it. Everything that happened. Okay. But what happened was this, that throughout those 14 years when he was addicted to drugs, when he was addicted to meth, going through, even was arrested, went to jail and all that, he still knew the truth that was taught to him all those years and that never left him. And I asked him, Dan, when, when did you finally like wake up and say, man, I can't do this anymore? He said, it was my first night in jail. He says, what am I doing here? He came to his senses. And what led him to that was everything that he'd been taught over the years of the word of God and the works of God. And that started a transformation. And through Teen Challenge and through other interventive resources, God worked his life today. He's married, has a wonderful son, my nephew, Oliver. All right, love him. God has worked dramatically in his life. He didn't forget the works of God. God doesn't forget about us. There's hope, folks. There's hope, okay? We also see that this, what happens when we forget the works of God, it's a rebellious and stubborn generation. Past generations in Israel were characterized as stubborn and rebellious. They did not set their hearts aright. Their spirit was not faithful to God. Folks, the issue is not so much the actions, it's the heart, the heart of the matter. It's the heart is what at, is what at stake. So I want to close today by giving one warning, a warning not to forget the works of God. Look at me in verse nine. Here's the, here's the case study. Three verses. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his, in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Here's Ephraim. 
Ephraim, this is referring to, I believe, the 10 northern tribes of Israel that was led by King Jeroboam. There was a split after Solomon had passed away. The, the kingdom of Israel split. The 10 northern tribes went with Jeroboam to the north. And what did Jeroboam do? He led the people away from the word and the works of God. He actually even set up uh, uh, altars and, and Dan and Bethel, for example. They even had their own feast days, even had their own priests. Did everything contrary to what was going on in Jerusalem at the temple there. So it's interesting what the psalmist described is they were the children of Ephraim who were blessed. They were a blessed tribe, the blessed north. They were being armed. They had everything provided for them. Carrying bows, they turned back in the day of battle. What this is referring to, this is not referring to like a physical battle, but this is the idea. I like what Warren Worsby says this. Like a warrior fleeing the battlefield, Israel turned back from following the Lord. They disobeyed him and forgot what they had done for him. God did some amazing things for Israel. And in a generation, they turned their back and they forgot the works of God. It's interesting. There's a lot of people who have testimonies. Oh, look at what has happened. I think there's a difference between a, a bragamony and a testimony. <laughs> a bragamony is like, man, look what, look what I've done. Okay? Testimony is like, look what God has done. And before we pass judgment, I like what Spurgeon says, lest we condemn them, let us repent of our own wicked forgetfulness and confess the many occasions upon which we have been unmindful of past favors. God has worked in the past. Don't forget that. Don't forget that, okay? To guard against this pitfall of forgetting God, recall how God has worked in your own life. Like we mentioned, salvation, answer prayer, the fact that you have found a, a church home, okay? Victory Baptist, we're not here by accident, okay? God has put us here on this corner for a reason, for his glory to be a light for the Lord, to be here, be involved in that. Maybe there was a book, a special book that influenced you in your own life. Maybe a friend that came across you at a, at a right time. Isn't that a work of God in your life? Absolutely. You see here, what is the purpose then of, of remembering the works of God? Listen carefully. The purpose of remembering the works of God is to see these works as mile markers of faith. This then develops trust in God and promotes a holy life. That's the point of this. Trust in God and promote a holy life. As you write down the works of God, testimonies in your life, or as you share them, take note of them as spiritual mile markers and said, this is what God has done. I will trust in him and I will follow him and I will live a life pleasing him. That's a holy life, pleasing God. This psalm here emphasizes the strength and the wonderful works of God, not the strength and wonderful works of his people. It's the works of God. When a people forget God's word and his works, it is disobedience and will only lead to defeat. It will benefit us greatly, as the psalmist said. Look with me just in Psalm 77, verse 11. You might not even have to turn the page. It says here, I will remember the works of God. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Will we take time and remember God's works? Like I've said here at Victory Baptist, my prayer is this, that no matter what we have, an event or whatever may be going on here at Victory Baptist Church, I want to see God's hand all over it, folks. I want to see God's hand over this church. I want to see his works. I don't want to forget his works. And I want to believe it. And I want to trust him. And I want to follow it. And I want us as a church to follow his works. When we tell them the works of God, we glorify him. We exalt his name. When we remember the words of God, 
let us remember the works of God as well. I pray that God has done a work in your own life. I pray that that first work in your life was salvation when, when you understood that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. Only Jesus Christ, because of his work on the cross, could forgive your sins. I pray that you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. If you're here today, you've never done that, or you have questions about that, what it means to really know Jesus Christ personally, guess what? God's word gives us. The work of God was Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins, and his word shows that. Pray today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, get that settled today before you leave. If you're here today and you are a believer, follow the works of God. Remember it. Obey him. Follow him in baptism. Join with this church. Whatever God would do in your own life, give him honor and glory. And in the, along the way, you said, thank you, God, for your wonderful works. Thou art worthy. Praise him. Remember his strength. Remember his works. God is worthy of you to be praised.